Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and it's brought to you in association with Betfred. Fred Doan opened his first shop in Salford in 1967. A long way from Salford at the moment. I'm in the Ciutat Esportiva Juan Gampa, which is Barcelona's training ground. Just seen Barca uh, train in a training session which was open to media for the first 15 minutes and about to listen to Xavi Hernandez and ask him some questions in his press conference. Someone I've interviewed many times, I found him absolutely fascinating to be honest. And then Eric Ten Hag will do a press conference later on today, it's the day before the game. Sell out or close to sell out, there are odd tickets popping up. I can't wait actually, I obviously cover Manchester United but I cover a lot of Barcelona games as well. I think I've only missed two at home this season. Um, my loyalties with this one do not lie with the club in the city where I am now, but I'll try and be professional about this. I'm with Sam Marsden. Sam lives in Barcelona. He covers Barca for ESPN. I think closer to home, Burnley. Yeah, yeah, Burnley back in the UK. That's my dad's fault. Um, it's actually Old Trafford just before, just before, was it just before or just after Christmas just for the before, League Cup yeah. game? For the League Cup game. It's actually fallen that the, because we obviously have the Christmas break here in Spain. It's worked out that the last two years when I've been back for Christmas visiting family, we've been at Old Trafford. The year before we lost 3-1. Ronaldo scored a goal in the Premier League and then this year was the League Cup draw. Uh, seventh. This year was actually much better. There's much more just there's a good vibe around the club and even though it was the League Cup, they were they were up for the 7,000 there. It was, it was enjoyable even though the performance, well the performance wasn't too bad. They didn't create too much but United deserved to win on the day. How long have you been out living out here? I think I'm coming up to a testimonial. Okay. It's around 10 years, yeah, so I need to get something booked in. You cover Barca, yeah, I see you at a, a, a lot of the matches. Could you describe the mood ahead of this game against Manchester United? I think the mood at Barca is probably, if not similar to Manchester United, then on the same sort of sort of trajectory. I think when the draw happened, we were, I would probably have said Barca were probably slight favourites. I'm a little bit more unsure now, even though Barca have continued to improve since then. Obviously, Manchester United have as well. But no, the mood around Barca is... You know, they're 16 games unbeaten. Um, the feel-good factor of Javi coming back, I wouldn't say it died down, but obviously there was a massive sort of impact at first and then it sort of steadies out. Um, but now they're obviously with the 11-point lead at the top of La Liga. They just won the Spanish Super Cup last month with a really good performance against Real Madrid, winning 3-1 um, in Saudi Arabia. Um, they're not conceding hardly any goals. They did have that... And we obviously spoke to Marco Andrei Stegen last week and they obviously had that sort of blip in October in, in the Champions League, which, which cost them in the Champions League when they did concede a lot of goals. And it's hard to know whether that was because they're not quite ready to, to take on you know, the top-level teams and the La Liga stats are perhaps a little bit... Um, this, this deceiving a little bit perhaps I mean it's hard to be deceiving when they're, when they're so good they've only conceded 7 in 21 16 clean sheets but if perhaps it's deceiving us a little bit but there's also the caveat of during October they had, did have a lot of defensive injuries Kunde and Araujo were both out PK came in and obviously he had a nightmare in that Inter Milan game and which perhaps was one of the reasons why he thought you know I'm just going to call it a day in November um, but yeah they've been really solid at the back now now they've had Araujo back who's playing really well Kunde's accepted to play at right back Christensen obviously United fans will know well from his time at Chelsea has proven a really astute sign and he's getting a lot of a lot of praise the last sort of over I guess since Christmas he's really sort of really sort of stepped up since the World Cup with big performances at places like Atletico Madrid and, and Villarreal so the, the mood is really good I guess the doubt about Barcelona going into this Manchester United side this Manchester United tie is um, whether they can how many they can score I mean they're, they're playing well but they're not quite creating loads of chances and, and Lewandowski's just done a little bit of a 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too critical of him, but you know, at the start of the season, everything he touched was almost going in. The last few games, he's missed a couple of chances. He's not getting as many chances. So, you know, with someone like Lewandowski, that's always likely to change. And you know, the drop of a hat and he scored, you know, two on Thursday night or at the weekend or whatnot. But there are a few questions with Dembele out about whether they can cause as many problems as perhaps they have done earlier this season. There are other top young players in the side: uh, Gavi, Pedri in the midfield. There's a man called Frankie from Holland. I don't think Manchester United fans would have heard of him, but as you said, we spoke to Ter Stegen and he was glowing about him. Could you tell us a bit more about him? Yeah, I mean, Frankie de Jong's been... He's obviously the focus of this tie. Obviously, everyone knows about the the tug of war. I don't even know if it was a tug of war between Manchester United and Barcelona, but everything that happened last last summer. It's been interesting, really, this time, because obviously he arrived at Barca as, you know, the poster boy from Ajax, and, you know, the, the Johan Cruyff links are obvious, and, you know, Dutch player coming to Barca... Um, and you know that season when he when he, he obviously the the signing was announced in January and then he led Ajax to the semi-finals. They knocked out Real Madrid. He had a brilliant performance at the Bernabeu. There's clips of him like you know in his own area, sort of dropping his shoulder and beating Modric and whatnot. So there was a lot of expectations when he came to Barcelona. But the the problems have been really. I think some people sort of expected him to be a Busquets heir when Busquets wasn't ready for an heir, or perhaps he's not even that position because he's more box to box. And then there's also the problem that, you know, he arrived at a time when Barca were just about to go into turmoil. It was just after, you know, the signing was announced in January, but later that season they obviously were beaten by Liverpool, that famous one. We we don't need to talk about that anymore. I'm sure everyone remembers what happened there. But, um, and it was kind of like the start of the period of sort of decline for Barca, if you will. You know, Valverde was sacked, Setien came in for eight months, Koeman came in, had some good moments, but ultimately was never going to be a long-term coach. And things have only really started to get steady with Javi. So De Jong's been a little bit of a victim of those circumstances, if you will, like all players will. I mean, you'll have seen at United over the last decade. Players need a functioning environment, a functioning club to really be at their best. So I think in part it's down to that. Um, so yeah, but this last month, these last two months, De Jong's really been an integral part of this this Barca sort of 16-game unbeaten run. They switched to a midfield four, which really benefits him because he's alongside Busquets, who, who won't be playing against United in the first leg because he's injured. But in general, he's alongside Busquets, which gives him the freedom to sort of to get forward, which he does so well. I mean, I think the, the best sight of De Jong is when he's got the ball and he's driving forward and it's, it's almost like the sea kind of just opens up and he's galloping forward. Um, but he's also got a lot more to his game. He's obviously, you know, great passing with the ball. Um, he's adding sort of, not so much recently, but, you know, even since Koeman, really, he's been getting into the box a bit more, trying to score more, trying to have more of an effect in the final third. Um, yeah, he's an, I would, I'd say he's quite close to an all-round midfielder. I know there's lots of debate about what type of midfielder Frankie De Jong is, but for me, I think he's almost like a modern-day box-to-box. He's not this sitting midfielder that many people would like him to be as the Busquets replacement. Can we talk a bit about the fan culture? Barca had uh, got the highest crowds at home in world football this season, 82,000. It's changed a lot from last year, from when Eintracht Frankfurt fans took over the stadium in the last Europa League game at camp now. They've sold all the tickets for the game at Old Trafford. We're not going to be seeing the sort of numbers going to Manchester who are coming here from um, Manchester. United had 4,200 tickets. Uh, sold out easily. Loads of people coming over without tickets. But tell us a bit about the culture. You don't get many away fans, do you, going with Barca? But at home, there seems to be a really strong connection 
between the fans and this pretty young team. Yeah, not just not just Barca. It's more just to do with you know as well. I'm sure you've probably spoken on the podcast before. You know, the away culture in Spanish football isn't quite the same for different reasons. There are clubs that do travel better than others, but you know, a lot of it's to do with kickoff times, journey distances, isn't quite as accessible perhaps as England ticket prices as well and whatnot. Um, but yeah, the Barca home support has really improved for the men and the women. It's been fantastic, I would say, since since COVID. Really, I don't know if that's a far uh, played a part in it in terms of you know being away from camp now and then having the chance to come back. But I think it's more just down to the fact, and we see this with you know, English clubs and clubs go down, often the hardcore support or the real support is really sort of galvanised in moments of need. And there was a moment of need when, when Javi came back. And it's kind of a cliche when Javi says it, we need the fans, we need the fans all on board. Um, but they have needed that over the last 18 months. And I think they have, they have seen that. And I think it's because, you know, in those latter years, if we call it the messy era, it was kind of, you know, lots of tourists, lots of sort of, there wasn't really a massive, there wasn't really an atmosphere at Camp Nou. It was very quiet during games apart unless it was a Real Madrid game a big European game it was kind of even if there was a 70,000 80,000 crowd it was kind of quite quiet really you know you get you know Messi would score a free kick and it would be really loud people chanting Messi for a bit but there wasn't quite the atmosphere that has been over the last 18 months and Javi's even commented on that he said that the atmosphere since he's come back is much better than it was in the final years of his his time as a player so I think it's, I think they've been galvanized by that need to support the club perhaps the return of Laporta helped a little bit as well Although obviously, you know, with Barca, it's always political and there will always be people who are against Laporte and with the, the previous board. But as a, as a president, he is charismatic. He is someone you want to want to get behind in general if you ignore the, the political bias. Um, so, yeah, I think it's to do with that. And now I think as well, another thing Ter Stegen said, obviously they, they sort of, they galvanised behind the team. And then in the summer, they had that boost with the arrivals of Lewandowski, Kunde, Rafinha, the, the money that was spent, which gave them another sort of, you know, Another added impetus to come, another another attraction to come to the game to get behind the, the new the new players, the new stars, Lewandowski to see what he was all about, and then yeah, winning and good runs obviously keep the keep the fans coming back. Is a conflict between long-standing fans and the tourists that you talk about, or are tourists seen as someone who will add to the bottom line at a time when Barca need money? In terms of coming to games, mm. I, don't, I don't I don't think it's so much in terms of coming to games. But I think when you start getting into you know, it's more an online thing, I think. I think the, you know, the, if, there, if there are tickets available, I've never spoke to a Sossi or, or, or a fan who's against tourists coming to games. I think, you know, that's, I think they see it as great. You know, it's money for the club. People come into games that perhaps, and often it's through the resale seats of Sossies that they get tickets and stuff, so it's a way for them to make money back. Um, but yeah, there is a little bit of, you know, and it's probably the same with, with, with Man United, but when you're such a big club and you've got such a global fan base, there is sometimes disparity or contrast or arguments between, you know, and especially with Barca when there's a member-owned club because Laporte has now opened up the membership so anyone from around the world can be a member and obviously you then get a vote on certain things or, or whatnot. Um, and where are their members coming from? Because they are a super club like Manchester United, Madrid and, and Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to pay €200 Euros to be a member. Mm. Um, That's so a got, lot. I've got, I mean, yeah. I've got a friend here in Barcelona who's from England, from mm. Rotherham. Um, but he comes to a lot of Barca games and he's just actually signed up as a Saucy. So if you're in the city and you pay that 200 euros, he's pretty much made that money back in discounts for tickets already. Yeah. But I mean, it's a lot to pay to be a Saucy, which people are paying. I think a lot come from America. Obviously, Barca, like United, will have lots of fans in you know, Indonesia or big countries and, and places like this. But in terms of people that are paying money to be Saucy's, it's more the, the wealthier sort of Western countries. Scandinavia, lots of Scandinavians. I know, lots of Scandinavians sort of get in touch with me. A Swedish guy called Christoph comes here quite a lot and he's a Saucy and... 
Um, yeah, so lots and of those three, countries. You do a podcast, you do the biggest Barca podcast in English. What's it called? It, Tell yeah. us about it. Yeah, yeah, Siempre Positivo. Um, always positive. Always positive. Didn't so Louis from, Van Gaal say that's that? That's from this famous Louis Van Gaal press conference. It wasn't, I was going to say here, but I think it was at Camp Nou actually, um, to the press. Yeah. He, he didn't say Siempre, he said Siempre Negativa. You're in, always in negative. Funny, yeah, You're always, always negative. negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lived down in uh, Sitges and he used to go to the same restaurant every day, a really modest restaurant, and just order chicken and chips every day. And people really liked him yeah. because he's he was a good humour, I think. Can't go and wrong with chicken and chips either. You can't go wrong with chicken and chips either. Who do you think is going to win the game at camp now? People will be listening to this after the game. And who do you think is going to go through? And how important is the Europa League to Barca this season? So the Europa League question is, is a good question because um, obviously we had it last, last season as well. And it's not so much that winning it is really important. It's not so much that they need to win it. It's more to do with, and it might be the same with Manchester United, how, if they are to go out, how they go out. Um, so I guess in that sense, going out to Manchester United playing well wouldn't be a bad way to go out. But obviously the way they went out last year to Frankfurt then sort of raises all these questions again, like, you know, why did they collapse at home against not even this time, not even, you know, a top tier, top tier European team. So it's important in that sense, it's important that they show that they can compete with with the top European teams, with teams from the Premier League, if they beat Manchester United, perhaps Arsenal in a later round or whatnot. Um, so more than, yeah, more than winning the competition, it's important that they play well, that they compete and that they don't embarrass themselves because they've embarrassed themselves in Europe probably if you, you know, Frankfurt last year, the Champions League last year, the Champions League this year. I mean, maybe it's a bit harsh to say they embarrassed in the Champions League this year, but it's a, you know, Barcelona with the money they spent had to get through the group. Frankfurt finally brought 30,000 fans. I was in the stadium, you were. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it really pricked the pomposity of a lot of Barca regulars who looked down on the Europa League. It was probably a perfect storm. I think you used that description to me the other day. Yeah. Where there were tickets available. Frankfurt are a huge club. They brought up all, all the tickets. And it, I think it was a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah, it was mad. It was mad. I remember, yeah, getting into the stadium probably an hour before and you could already have a sense that there was a lot of a lot of white shirts around that you know something wasn't quite right I mean all day there were videos appearing on social media I was actually coming back from Madrid because I think they'd been the Atletico Manchester City game the night before and I got off the train at Sants and they were marching Me thousands and thousands yeah, of fans thousands of them. Um, and yeah it was, it, it was just crazy you didn't even though you'd sort of seen in the weeks before you often see these estimates don't you 25 billion people yeah. watch the Classico X thousand fans are coming for for this game you don't really realise or believe it until you see it so when you were seen outside the ground you could get a real feel for it I've never it was... seen anything like it I mean, I've seen Celtic and Rangers bring 17, 18,000 here I've seen 50,000 Man United fans for the final here but the, the Eintracht fans were so well organised they marched up in up diagonal another few thousand of them marched in the other way yeah it was good it did a lot of damage to Barca as well because they've they've sort of and Manchester United fans are probably seeing the after effects of that now but you know the days and weeks after that there was sort of you know deep investigations into what went wrong people looking to blame different people whether it's the tour tour operators whether it's the club whether it's the season ticket holders and I think like like you said it was in if not for Barca perhaps the imperfect storm in terms of you know it was I think it was everyone I think Perhaps tour operators over the years, whether they ever had specific sort of rules in place, had got lax and they were just selling to anyone. Sossies for years, as we've commented and still do, were happy to, to sell tickets. And because it was Frankfurt, because it was the Europa League, because it wasn't, you know, viewed as a massive game for Barca, I mean, I don't think it would have been quite the same for Manchester United because I think more Barca fans would have wanted to come to this game because of the situation of the club now because it's Manchester United. Um, and I think, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, I don't think... Manchester United would have brought as many fans for this game as Frankfurt would because you know Manchester United were here in 2019 and you know they might not have been in the Champions League or playing Barcelona loads recently but for Frankfurt it felt like a real 
not a one-off, Once but that's, yeah. a, that's sort of that sort of feeling for them. So it's just like you say, the perfect storm. But then, yeah, now Manchester United and everyone else is being affected. And Barca were really, really embarrassed by that. Really, really embarrassed by that. Twelve minutes gone inside camp now, and it's Barca nil, United nil. It's been a really engaging start to this match. Huge crowd struggling to find an empty seat here. 90, well over 90,000 here. And at this moment in the game, it just feels a privilege to be watching this, these two teams feeling each other out. I think Manchester United have started quite brightly and are going at Barca physically, look to have the edge. A couple of surprises in the Barca lineup for me, uh, and that is uh, Araujo playing on the right with Conde playing more centrally. So Marcos Alonso starting at the back. With United, we've got Vegos playing behind Marcus Rashford from, from these early encounters anyway. Varane gets booed because he played for Real Madrid. Casemiro gets booed because he played for Real Madrid. David De Gea gets booed because he's from Madrid. This is just how we like it. There's a moment's tribute towards people who'd lost their lives in the earthquake affecting Turkey and Syria just before the game. In front of me now I can see the 4,200 Manchester United fans high up on the third tier behind Perspex Shields. Several flags lining the front of that tier but the fans are high up. I'm equally high up on the opposite side of the, of the ground. The mood in the centre of Barcelona all day was building, the atmosphere was good, there was a, a lot of alcohol had been taken, there was a, a danger that the mood could turn a couple of times, but I didn't see any trouble at all. Quite a lot of police around, lots of Reds having a good time in Plaza Real when I walked through there, granted it was quite early on. The funniest bit was when a football was kicked up to a balcony lady came out to get it and everyone thought she was going to throw it back and she just put, put a middle finger up to thousands of United fans and slammed the door shut and went inside and carried on her daily business with thousands of men singing outside her apartment for the rest of the day. So just kicked over 40 minutes gone, nil-nil so far. Uh, a lot of United fans I know didn't have tickets and really struggled to get tickets because of the way uh, Barca really clamped down after the Frankfurt fiasco here when the ground was full of Frankfurt fans but Barca fans didn't feel that game because Frankfurt and the Europa League were not a big deal it feels a much bigger deal to them now and Manchester United good atmosphere here and yeah no no let's see how we go 83 minutes gone, just listen how loud camp now is. It's Barcelona 2, Manchester United 2. It's been a fantastic game. They went ahead through Marcus Alonso. It's really, really loud here. United equalised Marcus Rashford in an old goal, 2 1 up, and then Barcelona just equalised. They've got a free kick now in a, a dangerous position. 
outside of the area. The crowd is expectant. The crowd is 90, just short of 91,000. Rafael Varane gets the ball away. It's in the Barcelona area. The crowd, listen to how loud them screams are. I, I didn't see anything. Barcelona got another free kick now. The game has swung in moments of pressure. Barca players are appealing for a, a penalty off the arm of Fred. And the ball sort of rolled across his arm. But nothing's going to be given. Marcus Rashford also had an appeal for a penalty and a foul wasn't even given. Brilliant game, so real privilege to be watching this. Manchester United have still never beaten. Barcelona in camp now. Thought that might happen. Ah, this, this doesn't look good. Xavi Hernandez is shouting 2-2-2. Two, two, two. And the referee. Oh, 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 the ball's at the post. Listen to that noise. Wow, I think the post-match press conferences are going to be livelier. There's only four minutes left. Oh, Barcelona attack again. Brilliant save from De Gea. Wow. Barca pushing for the winner now. outside without tickets there's a lot of reds inside in home sections of the ground United attack it's three against four it's Rashford the Barcelona players have now got behind the ball and all the Barcelona players are now back in position two minutes left so it's a real privilege actually when home fans boo away teams who have possession because it shows they're good. It shows they feel threatened. Burgers into the box. 
Garnacho, who was, who was born in Madrid. Imagine if he could do something in Barcelona. And Malasia somehow gets the ball in. It's pinballing around. Just come out of the press conferences after the game where Eric Ten Hag said his side should have scored four but was pretty satisfied. Xavi Hernandez was glowing in his words about Manchester United, said they're one of the best teams in Europe. He praised them thoroughly. There's lots of um, people covering Manchester United here and lots of people covering Barcelona. I want a maybe more neutral view. Florian, who's uh, a correspondent for Du Spiegel, he's a German and... He covers a lot of FC Barcelona games. What did you make of that game tonight against Manchester United? Well, it, 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 it could have been easily a Champions League game, of course. Uh, the, the atmosphere was, was brilliant, probably will be as well in next week. And the game also was like in line probably with the Barcelona's games in the, in the Champions League. It's, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Inter Milan game, which ended 3-3. It could have gone either way. It's 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 true that uh, what Ten Hag says that, that Manchester United could have could have scored more. There was a, especially in the second half, uh, almost 20 minutes, 25 minutes, where the game could have got away from Barca, but uh, probably also Barca in the end could have won it. Uh, so um, yeah, I think everyone was entertained, and and uh, I think it was a fair result. Which Manchester United players impressed you? Uh, Rashford, of course. Uh, I think he's in, in, a, in a great moment of form and, and finally delivering uh, on, on, on what, we, what we all expected from him uh, a few years ago. And, and I also like Varane because uh, his, his calmness on the ball and, and, and his, his, his way of, of marshalling a defence. That will be my favourite two players. Who do you think is going through at uh, this time? I think, uh, well, I think Barcelona is, is actually has played better uh, away from home recently, but uh, I think they'll be without Pedri and Gavi, probably Pedri if, if, he's, if he will not recover. And, and Gavi is... Uh, is, uh, is definitely not playing because of a yellow card. So those are two very important players. I mean, they, they don't have the steepness in, in to to really substitute them adequately. And, then, and since the midfield is so important for Barca to control the game, because if the game if it's it's a very open game, like today in some moments, then the Man United will probably be always be favorite because they. They're better in transitions and they're, they're, they have more speed. So without Pedro and Gavi, it, it will be hard for Barca to control the game. And when it can't control the game, they have a hard time in, uh, in winning the game. So I think it's a slight favour for United. Finally, you've just listened to both managers in the post-match press conference. Um, what did you make of their comments? I think Ten Hag was not really sympathetic. Uh, he... He could have been a little more gracious because uh, it's it's not so clear that it would have been a red card anyways. It probably was a free kick. Uh, the, the moment he commented on the, the foul on Rashford, it probably was a free kick and a yellow card and, and nothing more. So uh, he, he insisted very much on that uh, in this moment when probably his team should have scored anyway in that moment uh, when it was 2-1. This was their moment and, and, and well... 
he, he was from for my for my uh, view he was a little bit too focused on the referees so was Xavi but uh, that's probably what managers do after a game thank you for your time these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business if you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Lots of people who listen to this podcast have already used it, having listened to previous mentions in the podcast. It's really easy to create a free job post using LinkedIn Jobs. What you do, add your job and then the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritise who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires against the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash united. That's linkedin.com forward slash united to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Just in a bar after the game, close to camp now. There's quite a lot of United fans in here. Where are you, where are you from, lads? Uh, Nottingham, where from? Nottinghamshire. Yeah, 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 Nottingham
Stansted. Stansted. Back up to Nottingham. Yeah. You had a good trip? Yeah, I enjoyed it, mate. Really enjoyed it. Cracking, as always. It's the morning after the match. I'm still buzzing, actually. I thought it was a brilliant game of football at camp now. People have had a good time and a bit frustrated that Manchester United didn't win the match, but then Barcelona are unbeaten in the last 14 matches at home against England, English teams, and Manchester United have never won away against Barcelona. And well, when was the last time we beat Barcelona? 2008, wasn't it? In the semi final. Well, United will need to beat Barcelona in the second leg. Uh, well, unless it goes to penalties. Because the away goals rule doesn't count anymore. I think United will be favourites. News has come through this morning that Pedri is going to miss a game because he's going to be out for three or four weeks. He's one of the two or three most important Barcelona players. Gavi will also be out. He's one of the five or six most important Barcelona players. If Sergio Busquets doesn't get back for that game, then it's a big problem for Barca because... Javi Hernandez said he's got faith in in players like Sergio Roberto and Kessie, but they are not first choice in his idealised Barcelona eleven. So here we go again. I think it'll spill over into how we feel uh, next week. Javi was really complimentary about Eric Ten Hag, about United and... Cannot wait for the game next week. We've got the small matter of Leicester at Old Trafford. And after Barca, we've got the trip down to Wembley as well. So it's all go, isn't it? Um, United fans seem to have a great time heading home in, in the sun. The February sun of Barcelona. And I think it was a successful trip. Remembered as a, as a brilliant match. We won't have United We Stand on sale against Leicester because we, we sold all the copies. Uh, we won't have any against Barcelona either. So cheers for your support. I find it really encouraging that you buy the mag. And more than one person has said to me, I just like to read considered articles away from the noise and the nonsense, as it was put to me, on social media. Uh, it's well worth paying for. So Appreciate that type of sentiment and we're going to put a huge amount of time into the next issue. Not everything has to be a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, we'll be putting a lot of time into researching the stuff that we do. But it won't be out until West Ham in the Cup at home. So the next podcast will be from Old Trafford after the game against Leicester. Another win needed, but from Barcelona after that game. That was a fantastic game of football. It was great to see Manchester United going toe-to-toe, taking on the Catalans in their manner. It was a real honour to be in that stadium watching that game. Until next time, goodbye.